0: delve into some side notes and what are side notes they may be historical issues that i want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective it might be something economic might be something from the bible might be some symbolism from the bible or it might even just be some ideas philosophical maybe even scientific that interest me and that i think the bible either speaks to or they shed light on scripture and allow you to understand and see scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, or more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is a dealer's choice type situation for me in in that I am going to just give you information that is important. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. It is a special edition. I know uh, many of you probably don't even know that I'm doing this morning, but uh, felt compelled over the weekend. Just want to spend some time. Uh, talking about Memorial Day, I think it's important. Oftentimes, we don't spend time actually teaching. Maybe even children, maybe maybe even adults don't know and don't understand uh, some of the things that go along with what Memorial Day is about. It was actually founded in 1868 by a general, major general, in who was head of the head of the federal forces, and uh, it was for the purpose of making sure that the graves of soldiers were uh, decorated. In fact, it was called Decoration Day. And I know uh, many who live in the South and certain portions of the South. I know North Alabama has this uh, tradition of having a Sunday where they decorate the graves or really what it is is for the purpose of taking care of the graveyard next to the church back in the day. Now it's uh, more of a, it's morphed into a little bit more of a weird celebration on Sunday morning, but, but as far as taking care of graves and keeping up graveyards so that they're, so that they're not overtaken by weeds and, and trees and things like that. It was a part of it and especially considering the sacrifice that was paid during the Civil War and the number of soldiers that were, they were in graves all over the country because over a half a million soldiers died in battle and, and And many more, uh, were wounded and had lost limbs and were, they were just scattered all over the country. And remembering that the size of the population of the country, if you had 600,000 back then was probably in the 50 to 100 million range. And so there was just, there was just a large portion of the population that had either been killed or wounded and, and nobody, no family was untouched by it. And and so, That celebration morphed into and, and continued on until the, uh, 1960s when Congress passed, in all actuality, it was 1970. It was, uh, let me see. I've got it here somewhere. I think it was 1966 or just right around when I was born or the early 70s. Congress passed the law making Memorial Day and and setting it as the Monday, the last Monday of of the month of May to uh, celebrate or to memorialize, is probably the better term, to memorialize the soldiers who died in battle. And I, I wanted to give you a little bit of a biblical perspective because because oftentimes when we think of war, we think that's out of line with Scripture, and I'm not saying that Scripture advocates for war completely. There's a lot of theories that we can discuss about that, but the Bible understands and God understands that because of the fallen state of man, that war is gonna take place. In fact, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses three through eight, as he was being asked about the end times or after he was gone, it says, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when when these things will be. And he's they're talking about when he will, his second coming. And he said, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, he said, uh, to them, take heed that no one deceive you. Uh, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and and will deceive many. And th- those are the ones who come in the spirit of Antichrist or and the word anti actually means in place of Christ. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass that the end is not yet. He said, for nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the sorrow. And so what he's what he saying is that war was was the state of man in sin and that that was going to take place. Now, after the Middle Ages and then after especially the Crusades, Christianity had to, to take a, a deeper look at itself. And uh, there began to be thinking and and studying, and especially during the Renaissance. And so you had, you had, you had what's known as the just war theory. And the just war theory is basically this. It postulates that war, while terrible, is not always the worst option, meaning there are times when uh, war is necessary. There's times when, when whatever is going on requires that people actually do something about it, that they stand up. And, and sometimes I'm not going to get into all about the just war theory. And, but if you would like to study it, I think it would be very important for you to look at it because it was born out of a, a struggling with the horrors and the difficulties and what, why do we fight war? And there are just causes for which to fight wars. And, uh, not saying that every American war that we've ever fought was just or right, but that there, there is a requirement that in Christianity that we do what is right and what is good. And oftentimes the position is that there's only one way to go. And that is you, you have to go to war. And uh, sadly, as we think about war and we think about uh, scripture, we understand that the generally speaking, the, the people who lose their lives in war. Or young people they don't understand that they haven't studied they're not they're not in the ivory towers thinking about these things all they know is that is that the country needs them and it's important that they go and uh, battle for and we say as, as Americans battle for freedom because of the Declaration of Independence which I want to uh, just read a little bit of that to you also this morning and they go off and they fight and generally speaking, young people, as, as, a, as a, a former officer in the Army, although I never even claimed close to ever being in combat and probably had the least of the services that you can have. I, I was in the Reserves for uh, eight years and in the Ready Reserves for uh, three of those years. The The reason soldiers fight so hard and do What is necessary to win is not all these great grand theories of battle and grand theories of why we fight. The main reason soldiers fight is for their fellow soldiers. The camaraderie, the difficulty of the situation draws them together. The uh, unifying uh, factor that they're all Americans and that they're fighting for their country. And then when they get in the midst of combat, and they see their fellow soldiers going down or being in danger, the main cause for them to go fight is to protect or to fight for each other. And and when you think of the uh, the white stones and rows after rows in Arlington Cemetery, I love to go to Washington, and every time we go to Washington, uh, the first place I always go is Arlington because it's a place where hundreds of thousands of soldiers have been laid to rest who who gave their life as the the ultimate sacrifice. And 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 they usually, most of those soldiers, gave their lives to to protect their friends beside them. And and Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. Interestingly enough, even this weekend, I knew my 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 grand-great-grandfather fought in World War One and my and both of my grandfathers were in the military. My, my paternal grandfather was, uh, was in the Navy during World War II and out in Hawaii in that area. And then my, my maternal grandfather, he was in the third ID, the third infantry division. He was under patent and he fought in North Africa and Sicily and Italy and then on through France and into Germany. I knew that he had. He had received the purple heart for, for taking shrapnel in his knee while he was in Italy, fighting through, through the boot of Italy. But I didn't know that he had won the silver and bronze star and, and that kind of courage and, and willingness to fight. And it, it usually comes from the greatest of character and emotion, which is love, love for your friends love for your, your battle buddies, as we would say in the military, love for those who are fighting alongside of you, and the desire to at least have some of you survive uh, the battle. And really, what that's what independence is all about, and that's what liberty is, the freedom to fight for each other the freedom to love each other and to care about each other. And as I think about those things, and I think about the starting of our country and the over 5,000, the 4,500 to 5,000 soldiers who died in the revolution, and, and we're talking about died in actual combat, and the many thousands more who gave their lives either because of disease Wounds that were festering long after the battle was over. It makes me think about what was written in the Declaration of Independence. And I think it's important to read this. It says, this is written July 4th, 1776. It was, is ratified then. It says, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America says, when the, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature, and that's talking about natural law, and it would be something that you'd want to look at. He says, to assume an equal station which the laws of nature and and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare these causes which impel them to the separation. And What uh, they're saying is the situation had developed to where the American people could no longer stay under the King of England and the British Commonwealth. And so he says this, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Notice he says this, these truths that he's going to talk about, that they're obvious, they're naturally a part of nature their natural law they're actually what he's talking about is the actual character of god which is embedded in that which he created and the natural character of god is freedom and liberty he freely loves us and he desires that we freely love him he says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal now notice he doesn't say that we're created the same because we're unique, each and every one of us. And if the goal of humanity is for all of us to be same, which is the goal of communism, everybody, each laborer, the same as the other, it's not natural in creation. We're all different. So sameness is something that we we should not be chasing after. But that being said, equality, which means equality of of opportunity, Equality of the ability to act on your own desires and act on the things that are on your heart that you want. He says that all men are created that way and they are endowed with it by their creator, meaning this, these things are given to us, not by, not by men. These things are natural to us. They're innate in us. They're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that among these are life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm gonna talk about the pursuit of happiness here in a minute. But notice that the two uh, penumperate, I can't say that word, the most important rights that we are given by God according to our constitution and according to natural law and according to the long history of Christian thought is life and liberty or freedom. we were endowed with life, and that is given to us by God and only under, under the most dire circumstances should that be taken or, or liberty and, and, and liberty meaning the freedom to choose the course of our own lives, to choose the roads we travel, to choose the uh, relationships and associations that we desire, the, to choose the, the work and to be able to, to alienate our labor. And what I mean by that is to be able to, Sell the work of our hands to others, so that we can benefit from our own labor, and that is a, a pinnacle understanding of uh, of natural law that man has should have the on his own because of his life and freedom. He, he should have his own right to choose how he employs his labor for his own benefit. And that's in opposition to communism, which says the state has the right to your labor and they choose how to employ it to the state's benefit. He says that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And the reason that's put in there is because as a part of our formation and and coming over, England had brought slaves over and there were slaveholders in this country. And the truth is, according to, the thought of the day, the natural law thought of the day and the understanding of God's word that they had is that we should be able to have the pursuit because a man in his own freedom and life should have the ability to own his own things, which is gives you the, the strength to, to set the course of your own life. But we couldn't put that in the Declaration of Independence because if we did, that meant that that many of the states would not have ratified it because they had slaves. And that being the stain that uh, that the one blemish on the creation of our country. And by the way, what it was a very costly blemish on the foundation of our country because literally two to three percent of the population of the country was either killed or or, or wounded, permanently disabled because of that in that we fought a war over whether or not men can own other men and we and we understood that and and oftentimes people attack our country as is being non-christian but the abolitionist movement came from the church the desire to see slavery ended in the united states came from the church and it came from God's people saying, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it is wrong because all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of your own property by alienating your own labor. And any time human beings cannot alienate their own labor and decide what they want to do with the course of their life. Whenever that happens, you do not have life or freedom. And so what you have is tyranny and and dictatorship, And that is not the natural state of man. That's not, that is the state of man in sin. That's not how God made us to be. That's how the devil and evil would have us be. And the chains of evil would have us be. And he says, they say in in the next line, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, which means the government exists for the purpose of protecting our rights. The government exists for the purpose of protecting its citizenry and their rights to life and liberty and the ability to gain property by determining the course of their life, and the use of their own labor. It says, delivering their just powers from the consent of the governed, which means that we've had soldiers dying in battle because they're fighting for life and liberty and the ability for human beings to decide to what they want to do with their own lives and how they want to build up their own families and their own fortunes on their own. And the power that is derived, by the power that the government operates in is derived from the consent of those same people. And sometimes that requires war. It does. It requires someone to fight to gain that freedom, and it requires somebody to fight to continue that freedom. And the United States for, and this is not a popular thing to say, the the United States for the last 250 years has been the beacon of freedom around the world and has used its power and its strength, which derives from this, our strength as a nation, the greatness that we are as a nation. And if you look on the world map, how small really we are compared to the rest of the world, the greatness that makes America the preeminent economic power of the world, and by far and away, the greatest military force in the world. And people don't want to understand, don't understand. Our economy is twice the size. It's twice the size of the Chinese economy. And that is the second largest economy in the world. And in fact, our economy is almost as big as the next four economies of the world combined. And our military, we spend more on our military than the next nine countries in the world combined. We have by far and away the greatest military and economic power in the world, and what has caused that? The thing that has caused that is the government structure and who we are as a people. Not that we're as human beings innately better than other human beings in the world, but we're human beings who are governed by a government and that protects our life and our liberty and our ability to choose to do what we desire to do with our own efforts and our own work. And that was fought for in the in the Revolutionary War, and it's been continued on in other conflicts. And we even fixed our major problem, our own selves. We fixed it. By fighting a war as to whether or not we would be one nation and whether or not our economic system would be based on based on freedom or based on tyranny over human beings. And we chose not to have that. And I believe Sovereign God chose it not for us to have that. And then later on, we fought in two great world wars and were the deciding factor in both of them, as to whether or not uh tyranny would rule the day or whether or not freedom would rule the day. And we fought several wars since then, wars in East Asia, wars in the Middle East. And those wars, whether they were just or rightly done, whether they had the right results or not, were fought by human beings, were fought by Americans who uh, believe in these ideas of liberty and freedom, and the right of human beings to be on their own. And so when I think about soldiers dying in battle and Memorial Day, I think of them dying for the ideals of our country, which they may not have even understood totally themselves. But I also think about them dying for the personal ideals that our country embodies. and That is the ideal of of loving your neighbor as yourself and loving each other as Christ has loved us and that he died for us. And so on the battlefield, they love each other and they fight for each other. And as they wear the uniform and sleuth the flag and parade before, and I remember doing that so many times, those ideals of life and liberty and the ability to pursue your own course in that life, push them forward. And ultimately they died in battle to protect those things, mainly to to protect the friend that stood beside them or was one foxhole over. And what a great day to have. Now we celebrate it with hamburgers and hot dogs and fun on the lake, but we should take a moment, just a moment, And remember that this is a day to remember those who've given their lives that we might be the people that we are and that we might do the work that we do. And if we do that, I think we properly honor them. And by living free and by living full, we make their sacrifice wholly and completely worth it. And so when you're with your family today and when you're with your friends and when you're enjoying your time together, remember that the freedoms that we uh, enjoy today were provided to us by men and women who were willing to give their lives to protect them. And so we should enjoy them in their fullness and we should enjoy them completely and we should celebrate Memorial Day in the way that it was meant to be. We should celebrating it, loving each other, and loving what has been provided to us by those men and women. So what I'd say to you this morning is, is that have a wonderful day today. Have a, have a great day. Have a great family time. And if you're not with family out there, have a great time with friends and loved ones. And enjoy what has been provided to you, first by God, and then by those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, gave their lives. Memorializing them with love is a fitting way to do it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.